And now, Thriller Thursdays on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Chapter 16 The roof is clear, the flying squirrel called. You about ready to go? They didn't have a man up there? He asked, surprised, as he fussed with his suitcase. They had two men up there, she said, but they're going to take a little nap now. Did they see you coming? He asked, removing a long, flat pouch from his gear. Do they ever? She asked. Besides, they were watching the stairs, not the hatch. I gassed them and trussed them up like Christmas turkeys. What's a hold-up? Those bands Max is sporting are well made, but once you find the seams, the locking mechanism seems simple enough, he said, opening the pouch and rolling it out. It held variations of some of their regular equipment, throwing stars, throwing knives, and combat boomerangs lined with a metal edge. The lock is magic, Kit said, confused. No, he said, the lock is a lock. It's just protected by magic. You say patao, she replied with a very slight roll of her eyes. That's where this comes in, he said, holding aloft a lockpick set that looked identical to the one that she knew was in the inside left pocket of his coat. Lockpicks, she asked. Did you forget the protected by magic part? I did not, he smiled. Do you remember how our old friend Dr. Chronopolis tries to hide the energy signature of the mystic items in his museum collection? She nodded. Sure. He developed a special alloy that, I don't know, blocks magic. It is highly resistant to the energy wavelengths associated with the mystic powers, he said. Right, she replied, her brows furrowed. That's kind of what I... She trailed off. Are you telling me that those lockpicks are made of anti-magic metal? Well, he shrugged, magic-resistant alloy, anyway. She frowned. (laughs) You keep saying the same thing as me, but using different words. He thought about it for a moment. I suppose that's true, he said, in what Kit supposed was supposed to be an apology. It occurred to me that the metal might have uses in practical crime-fighting, should we ever face another occult threat. "'Hey!' she said excitedly, looking at the rest of the gear in the pouch he had just rolled open. "'Aren't you taking these?' "'I wasn't planning on it,' he said. She was flabbergasted. "'Are all these goodies made with anti-magic what's-it?' "'I love it when you talk technical jargon,' he said in his best Kit Baxter voice, which was disturbingly good. "'Okay,' she deadpanned. "'I deserve that. Answer the question.' He shrugged but nodded. "'Yes,' he said, "'but we haven't had a chance to test them.' She started emptying her utility belt of similar items. "'Tonight sounds like a real good chance to me,' she said with a grin. He frowned. "'Don't rely on them too much,' he said. "'They may not do anything.' She was filling her belt pouches as quickly as she could. "'They'll still do whatever a regular boomerang will do, right?' "'Yes,' he admitted. "'But this doesn't mean we can go toe-to-toe with a spellcaster.' "'Well, you can't.' She grinned. Kit, I mean it, he said gravely. Until we know otherwise, the best policy is to avoid magic as much as possible, and when you can't, duck. We have no evidence that this alloy will have any practical effect. Yes, boss, she agreed. Let's go get some. 
They raced over the low rooftops of Luxor through the cool desert night, static shoes firing, propelling them over vast gaps in the buildings. They were more familiar with the territory now, and took a winding route that kept them mostly above street level through the city centre and back into the slums where they had left Max. They moved fast through the district, knowing that every step on the rooftops of the small dwellings would be heard by someone within, no matter how quietly they travelled. At last, they dropped into the space below, concealed in the dark of an alley just steps from Max's door. "'See anything?' she hissed. "'We're clear,' he said. "'Unless they can conceal themselves in the infrared spectrum.' "'Let's not start second-guessing ourselves,' she said. "'It ain't healthy. Besides, why would they conceal themselves in the infrared spectrum "'if they don't know that we have infrared lenses?' "'It's an interesting point,' he said. "'Sorry, I've never been entirely comfortable with magic.' "'Right,' she said. "'So let's go kick its fanny.' "'They moved into the small back room silently.' giving Falcone a start, even though he was watching for them. "'We should move quickly,' Falcone said. "'Thatcher and Pavley won't be happy about losing you today.' "'They should be getting used to it by now,' Kit grinned. "'Quite the opposite,' Max replied. "'If they become personally involved in trying to keep track of you, or if they suspect that you may already know where I am, they may use a tracking spell.' If they were starting from the hotel, the Red Panda said, we still have some time. Nothing beats traffic like a run over the rooftops, Kit said sweetly. First things first, the Red Panda said, let's see those arms. Falcone sighed and raised his left arm, extending it palm up to the younger man. I keep telling you, old boy, you won't be able to. Now the other one, the Red Panda said wryly as he pulled the first band off. Squirrel, take this one. Don't let it close. But that's impossible, Falcone sputtered. How on earth did you do that? Now, now, Max, the Red Panda replied. A magician never reveals his secrets. How are you doing, Squirrel? Pretty good, boss, she replied. These things kick like a mule trying to get back together. But I jimmied one of the special throwing knives between the two halves of the lock, and that seemed to calm it down. Good girl. He nodded, handing her the second one. Do the same with this, then tuck them in your belt. Those could come in handy. He looked at the stranger, who was still standing, dumbfounded. How do you feel? The older man nodded. Weak, he admitted. It may take some time before I can summon a proper field. But better now, thank you. Excellent, came the reply. "'You really do still have the power to surprise me, dear boy,' the stranger said, straightening his back, and appearing years younger than he had just moments ago. "'I knew that I could count on you.' "'Okay,' Kit interrupted, securing her new burdens in the back of her utility belt. "'What's a plan? I mean, technically we're kind of done, aren't we? We came for Max, we've got Max, and they all lived happily ever after. Yes?' No, the stranger shook his head sadly. If our enemies reach the eye of Anubis before we do, there will be very little ever aftering, and almost none of it will be happy. Right, boss, she said without skipping a beat. What's the plan? We need a boat, the Red Panda said simply. A boat? she asked. Where are we supposed to get a boat? He shrugged. I thought we'd try down by the river. 
Her eyes narrowed and her lips pursed tightly to the side in a mock pout. You're making this up as you go along, aren't you? Indescribably so, he said, beaming at her. Suddenly, the still of the night was broken by a short cry, high but mournful, and then another. What the heck is that? Kit asked, her voice suggesting that perhaps she did not really want to know. Just a jackal, Falcone said, nothing to worry about. There were several more calls in rapid succession. Between a howl and a bark in multiple voices, it was clear that there was more than one animal nearby. Kit eyed the exits in as nonchalant a manner as she could. "'Guess you've been uh, hearing them every night, huh, Max?' she offered. "'Well, now, that is interesting,' Falcone said quietly. "'I would have to say this was the first time.' The high wails rang out as if coming from everywhere. "'Geez,' Kit admitted, "'those guys are giving me the creeps in a pretty serious fashion.' Think we can, uh, make tracks before the whole pack drops by? I have one problem with that, the red panda said grimly. Only one? she asked, waiting for the other shoe to drop. The Egyptian jackal is not a pack animal, he said. It is a solitary hunter, pairs at best. Don't tell me, the flying squirrel said. Tell them. The red panda looked at the rickety door that led out the back alley. I suppose one of us really should... He sighed. The door creaked on its hinges. The narrow laneway was flooded with a darkness that seemed too deep to be entirely natural. From that expanse of black, a dozen pairs of eyes flashed their cruel intent. The chorus of wails grew in intensity, and with every moment that passed, another pair of eyes flashed from the cover of the night. "'How are we doing, old boy?' Falcone called from within his room. "'Oh!' "'About what you might expect,' he replied, touching the side of his mask and switching to night vision, if for no other reason than it made his own eyes flash back at the predators surrounding them. The new setting of his mask lenses turned the world a grainy black and white and made the shapes of twenty more jackals clear to him, drawing ever closer under the covers of creeping darkness. "'We're in a certain amount of trouble, aren't we?' the flying squirrel asked, trying to sound calm. The red panda stood tall in the doorway, and carried himself like a tiger, a prince among hunters beset by lesser creatures far out of their depth. Well, someone certainly is, he said with a cold smile. Thank you for listening to Thursday Thrillers right here on the Mutual Audio Network. Please consider subscribing to other days of the Mutual Feeds, including Monday Matinee for classic live and theatrical audio plays, Tuesday Terrors for horror audio drama, Wednesday Wonders, our science fiction and fantasy magazine, Friday Follies, our end-of-the-week comedy series, Saturday Story Circle for kids and families alike, and Sunday Showcase bringing you the very newest in audio releases from our United Artists of Audio right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The Mutual Audio Drama Network, where we listen and imagine together.